Hi, everyone, and welcome to the New Majority Investor Circle podcast, a podcast for everyday new majority investors looking to invest in founders who look like them. At the New Majority, we scan the top equity crowdfunding platforms for new majority founders, founders who identify as women, BIPOC, or LGBTQ. Every founder we feature is from underrepresented communities, building a company with a for-profit business model that has impact built in as measured by the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And of course, they're currently fundraising from you. Our mission is to close the racial and gender wealth gap through entrepreneurship and investing. With this podcast, we hope to give you a better understanding of who you're trusting your money with and how these founders aim to use your funds to have a broader impact on society while building upside. Welcome to today's episode of the New Majority Investor Circle podcast. Today, we are chatting with Kate Flynn, CEO and co-founder of Sun and Swell, the one-stop marketplace for healthy foods and beverages made with plastic-free and compostable packaging. At the core of the company is their mission to eradicate single-use plastic from the packaged food industry while simultaneously building one of my personal favorite topics, a circular economy. So if you're lucky enough to work at Google or LinkedIn offices, you may have seen Sun and Swell's snacks. Or if you're in California, you may have seen them in some of the local coffee shops, or maybe you've even seen them at the Ritz-Carlton or Miraval in Arizona. If you're not in California, you can purchase via their website. And all of this is to say they're both B2B and D2C. D2C is direct to consumer. It's a retail sales strategy where a business will build, market, sell, and ship a product directly to the customer versus B2B, which is business to business, focusing on a business selling products or services to other businesses. They started off with grab and go snacks and have expanded to pantry staples, as well as bath products, all in packaging that can again be composted at home or sent back to Sun and Swell to be composted. Today, they offer 35 products with plans to double that by Q1 2024. With her work at Sun and Swell, Kate has been recognized as a Tory Birch Fellow winner of the 2020 PepsiCo Women Made Challenge. She holds a Harvard MBA and a degree in economics from UC Santa Barbara and worked in management consulting prior to launching Sun and Swell. While that, she never set out to be a founder, even calling herself an accidental entrepreneur, the mission and the purpose is what drew her to Sun and Swell. And this is the type of drive that I believe makes a founder stand out and ready to push through all obstacles. So Kate, I was very excited to have you and Sun and Swell as one of our featured founders and startups for Q4 of 2023. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about the switch to compostable packaging, your growth goals, the big vision. So thank you again for joining us and welcome to the New Majority Investor Circle podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Sun and Swell is the first marketplace of its kind to offer a combined plastic-free and healthy food experience. I've likened it to grow collaborative, but for snacks and food rather than household and personal care beauty products. So can you give a brief 30 second pitch to your target customer? Yeah, our mission at Sun and Swell is to eliminate single use plastics from the packaged food industry. Our goal is for you, whether you're a consumer stocking your pantry at home or you're a business trying to stock your break room for your employees, for you to have a one-stop shop for plastic-free healthy foods. If you think about having a plastic-free pantry, what does that mean? It means being able to buy your foods without all those plastic wrappers that are around them. 
Um, we have a wide assortment of both snacks and pantry staples, all healthy, all real food and designed to keep both yourself and the planet happy. So I love that. And having looked in our pantry right before uh, recording this, I can safely assure you that there's a lot of single use plastic within there. Yes. So as of the time of this recording, October 23rd, Sun and Swell is still open for investment for another two weeks on WeFunder. So can you give us a 30 second pitch to investors this time? Yeah, we are the first brand and marketplace to offer a wide assortment of both snacks and pantry staples, all in plastic-free compostable packaging. Our ultimate vision is to be like Trader Joe's, but plastic-free and with different distribution channels. So if you think about Trader Joe's, a lot of their own snacks and foods all on their own, um, all under their own brand, but ultimately inviting other brands to partner with them. That's kind of the 10-year vision of what ultimately Sun and Soul will be. We sell to both businesses, a lot of corporate offices, hotels, coffee shops that are looking to bring plastic-free snacks to their employees or customers. And we also sell online to consumers who are looking to stock their pantries plastic-free. We did about a million dollars in revenue last year. We plan to double that this year. And we truly believe that the only thing holding back our growing faster than we are today is just more capital to allow us to do that. I love that. And we will get into a little bit more about where this capital will lead you in the next, hopefully on three years, knowing in 10 years, we're going to see sun and swell in like every neighborhood. Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right. Before we go into product and then obviously the packaging, which I really want to talk a lot about the compostable packaging. um, I want to talk about you. So You have a very impressive background, multiple years in management consulting and even as a CPA. So I would love to hear a little bit more about how you came to start Sun and Swell. You call yourself an accidental entrepreneur. Yet at the same time, you've talked before about how every job you've had has contributed to your ability to start and grow Sun and Swell. So what led you to start it and what maybe is the best job that's helped you get to where you are today? Yeah. So as you said, I started my career as a CPA and in accounting, it's very much like black and white often, especially at the level I was at. You're ticking in time and um, there's a hundred percent answers when you're doing that job. When I made the move into management consulting, it was quite the opposite. In management consulting, it's more about 80-20 mindset. And I actually was really bad at management consulting my first year. I ended up thriving in it. And by the time I left after four years, I was really good at it. So there, it definitely was a learning curve for me though, because I was so used to the black and white side of accounting and then turning that into management consulting was quite different. But for sure, management consulting is the one that set me up, I think, best to be an entrepreneur. It made me um, more comfortable with making choices without knowing for sure if the answer was right. Before I became an entrepreneur, I was really set in the mindset of, of I was meant to be in a corporate job forever. I liked stability. I liked knowing what the paycheck was going to be. I liked knowing what the raises were going to be. I really thought that was what I was destined to have in my life. I was really burnt out from consulting and I just needed a break and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to a yoga retreat at Esalon. If anyone's ever been there in Big Sur, it's a very magical place. I walked out of the retreat saying, I need to do something different with my career. And I first step was quitting my current job because I didn't know how to move forward without doing that. 
the reason I was able to do this comfortably for me was because my husband, now business partner, it's still husband, but also business partner, um, was working a full-time job where he could support us financially. So that kind of gave me the flexibility to take the risk that I don't know if I would have taken that risk otherwise. After becoming an entrepreneur, I realized I feel like I was meant to do this the whole time, but I never planned it. I avoided entrepreneurship classes and business school because I didn't think it was for me. Now I realize it was just like a limiting belief. It was just me thinking I couldn't do something that I actually could. Um, I think I'm quite good at. So <laughs> I would agree. Looking at um, single use plastic, right? This has been, I feel like a hot topic for years for environmentalists. It's made into mainstream conversations. Um, and then circular economies are a little less well known, but are one of the kind of the key talked about solutions for climate change. So was this always kind of in the back of your mind when you were starting Sentence Well, knowing that you started with more on the snack side? Or was there an aha moment that really pushed you to add compostable packaging to the healthy, delicious snacks that you started with? For those who aren't familiar, a circular economy is a model of production and consumption which involves reusing, repairing, and recycling existing materials and products as long as possible. It actually was not on our mind when we started. We always wanted to be like a better business. I, I always looked at Patagonia for inspiration. So I always yep. had- We all love Patagonia. Was, yeah, right? That was always <laughs> like the, that was always the one. It's like, I want to be like Patagonia. But when we started, it was actually more about healthy food. So mm -hmm. I, at the time, like the idea for Sun and Swell came around because my husband and I were both eating like real food diets, like clean eating. And we found it really impossible to find grab and go snacks that accommodated the way we like to eat, which was really more simple than complicated. We just like to be able to know what the ingredients were in the foods we were buying. And we all know the packaged food industry is full of artificial flavors and ingredients and all that stuff. Um, so when we started, it was really with just a mission to bring healthy snacks to the market we started to gain some traction in like the Santa Barbara, LA area and quickly realized we felt good that we were solving a health food problem, but we felt really guilty about contributing to the single use plastics problem. And I think that was one of the benefits of building a business in Santa Barbara. Earth Day was like, founded in Santa Barbara. It started here, like Patagonia, not just inspiration, but HQ 30 minutes away from us. So you kind of have that energy here where it's like, okay, like what can we do to be more environmentally friendly? And I started to explore compostal. I mean, I literally just aggressively Google searched it. Now with ChatGPT, it probably would have been easier. But um, at the time I Google searched my way into realizing that compostal packaging for food did exist. And that kind of started our journey with figuring out how to use it. And it ended up being a million times harder than we thought it was going to be. We thought it was just going to be an easy switch. Like, oh, let's just throw our stuff in compostable packaging. We'll be good. Um, that was very naive. And then, of course, I saw the trend. You see the trends in the market of moving away from plastic. So it was like, I want to do this. And I can see ultimately the market's going to be going this way too. So let's be the brand that helps lead the way to get there. I love that. And have you considered patenting the packaging or the process for composable packaging, knowing that this is something that you guys have really kind of led the charge on and it wasn't really common or in existence before you guys started it. We have not patented the packaging. Um, we work with a lot of different types of packaging and that allows us to stay really ahead of the curve on like, if we were just, to, if we would have started with the packaging in 2018 and done a patent around that, we would have been pigeonholed into that packaging and it's evolved a lot since then. So we intentionally are not doing that right now. And we're focused, we put our energy on the process 
So what makes us really unique in the marketplace is we are actually taking the compostable materials that already exist on the market and putting food in them, which nobody else is really doing for a variety of reasons. So that sounds simple, but little things like the way that the compostable packaging runs on a machine is very different than the way plastic packaging runs on a machine. So with compostable packaging, it's delicate, it rips easy, um, it's meant not to last. Versus plastic, super durable, machines are calibrated to work with plastic, teams are trained to work with plastic. And so that manufacturing piece of it in its own is really hard to do. On top of that, your products are going to have a shorter shelf life than compostable. So you can't just go build your brand in traditional grocery stores like most brands do. And that's why a lot of brands, you don't just see flippy, like there are brands out there that have national presence that would like to be compostable, but the supply chain or the manufacturing challenges and the distribution channels challenges are a big thing that holds them back. So our process though is unique. We have a packaging machine that we, um, we package our products on or most of our products and it's exclusively runs plant-based materials on it. And we've had to modify it. So it like runs them well and runs them faster. So that's other than years and years of knowledge and experience working with it. That's like something like really tangible. That's unique to us. I don't think any other company in the country has a machine that's entirely running plant-based compostable packaging for food, probably not other industries as well. We're going to pause our episode for a quick non-sponsored ad. This podcast is not sponsored by The Rounds, the perfect complementary business to Sun and Swell. The Rounds is a zero waste delivery and refill service for sustainable staples, local faves, and household essentials. And now they'll even pick up your compost and recycling too. Currently serving Atlanta, Philly, Miami, and the DC, Maryland, Virginia region. Visit therounds.co to learn more and tell them the new majority sent you. And now back to their ideal partner, Kate from Sun and Swell. So can you talk a little bit about like the current cost of your compostable packaging? I know that it's higher, right? Like these are actually raising your cost of goods to produce each item, um, but it's in the, the the better interest of the world. And I think it's also, as you said, like a unique aspect to the company. I imagine that cost is going to come down in the future, right? So what's the current cost? And then how do you see this becoming more widespread in the next three, five years? I'm going to look at like a unit standpoint, because I think that's the easiest way to explain costs. If you, uh, we have like a little energy bar and the cost of packaging on that bar at scale with compostable packaging is about four cents. The equivalent in plastic would be two. That yes, is double, but packaging is such a small cost of the overall product. Once you're operating at scale, it, it doesn't impact uh, the price of the consumers that much. And the packaging is just going to continue to get cheaper and cheaper. And there's different kinds. Like right now we're working with a, um, our main one is a fiber-based one that's um, been on the market for several years. There's also like seaweed-based packaging that's coming out that we're really eager to try. That's probably going to be more expensive if we're using that because it's like just new to the market. As, as new products come out, they might be a little bit more expensive, but ultimately they come down. So but right now it's not really a driving cost to make our products that much more expensive. If they are, it's because the, the healthy premium ingredients that are going into them. How does this play into Sunswell's business model? The first thing we felt like we needed to solve and that we're still solving is showing that there's demand, like market demand, and that it's possible to scale a brand with compostable packaging, without plastic packaging. So that's mm-hmm. like the phase that we're in right now. 
is building our own brand, building our own distribution channels, which by the way, the demand out there is massive. We just need to figure out how to scale it with, and that's, that's, that was like phase one was us realizing like, okay, we're going to have to do this internally with our own packaging line versus relying on other co-packers to do this for us because co-packers, co-manufacturers don't want to work with this material. It's too difficult for them. And 99% of their other customers are using plastic. So that was like lesson number one. What we ultimately believe is that we can be a catalyst for helping other brands transition to compostable as well. And we see a couple different ways to do that. One way to do it would just be to like to private label. Like, so let's say like this would be less from a brand perspective, but let's say like a stadium wants like wants like their peanuts and like plastic free pack compostable packaging. Like that would be an easy thing for us to do for them. Okay, like here's the packaging options. We'll package mm-hmm. it for you. Like, so that's an easy way to do it. What when I when I kind of talked about that vision earlier of being like more like a you know like a Trader Joe's or a Grove Collaborative or a Costco, be like more of this encompassing brand. The way that I imagine it is we will sell our own assortment of a bunch of sun and swell stuff, like all like, you know, nuts and dried fruits and all those things. Mm-hmm. But when we, it comes time to sell like a chocolate chip cookie, we're not going to manufacture chocolate chip cookies. We're not the experts at manufacturing chocolate chip cookies, but perhaps we could partner with a brand the same way that Trader Joe's does to do an exclusive skew or the same way that Costco does to do an exclusive skew and help not just offer our consumers more options, but also help that brand transition to compostable by guaranteeing them a distribution channel. So if we can say, Hey, we know we're going to sell, you know, 10,000 units and we feel confident we're going to sell 10,000 units of your cookies a month. If you just package them in compostable with us, it's serving our customers better, which is ultimately like the number one thing we're always thinking about. How do we serve our customers the best? And what we Mm -hmm. hear from our customers is, can you give us more? Can you give us more? Can you give us cookies? Can you give us chips? Can you give us all these things? They just want more and more plastic free. Um, so how do we partner with the brand? So we are, they're staying in their expertise, which is making really innovative, different products. And our expertise is getting them in Postable. And then we have the distribution channel for them. That's a win-win for both us and the brand. That's ultimately how I see us making the biggest impact with other brands in the near term. And also continuing to like stay focused on the end goal of serving our customers in the best way possible. I love that. And are you guys ready for other CPGs to come come at you with the chocolate chip cookies or or something else? Yeah. So we actually started, we were piloting a chip and the shelf life, we weren't getting the shelf life we needed. So a lot of the products that we currently sell are ones that don't stale easily. Like um, compostable packaging has less barrier protection than plastic. So they can withstand that and it's not an issue and we can still get like a nine month shelf life on it. But the chips we were having issues with, with the current film we're doing. So now we're trying to get another film, another type of packaging so we can um, see if we can get a longer shelf life on that. So that's our first one that we're that we're piloting. Um, we're working with a pasta brand too. So that'll be in that one. We should, I don't think we'll have any shelf life issues with that. I'm hoping to have that one like available in the next month. Awesome. Okay. So this is an open call to any of the new majority investors, <laughs> circle members who are listening. If you are a CPG or Nova CPG, who wants to test out and kind of be on the leading edge of compostable packaging. This is your call to talk to Kate. Yes. Um, I'd love to switch into kind of back away, away from the, the packaging and into the product. So you are B2B, you're D2C. For the customers you sell to directly, say from your website, you know, I'm sitting here in DC and maybe I'd like to order from Sun and Swell. Kind of what would my typical experience look like? What am I looking for? Um, and how is that different than say any other snacks? If you're like, I'm going to send, I want sun and swell in my home. 
you can do, we do have some snacks. Like we have some simple things like the bars and stuff like that, but really our target online consumer is looking to stock their pantry plastic free. So you want to get like your nuts and your green grains and your oats. And, um, we have some of those things now that's what we're expanding more into, but you order online, it gets delivered to your door. Usually we ship from California. So usually ship within one business day. So usually get it in two to five business days, or you can be on subscription with our stuff too, if that's easier for you. And it comes in compostable bags and we, we don't offer now, but I'm really, uh, we're working on getting like, like the, a jar system for your pantry because we know most of our customers are taking them out of the bags and pouring them into their um, glass jars. But it's similar to like going to your bulk store at Whole Foods or going to Whole Foods, filling up your bags mm-hmm. bulk and then pouring them in your can- pantry. That's really what we're trying to replicate, but online. For um, a corporate office, we tend to do more snacks with them just because that's what their break rooms have. But it's similar. We we sell them either single serve snacks and compostable packaging like our bars, or they can buy bulk five pound bags. We're trying to work with customers who want no packaging, but we're the next best solution. Yeah. I love that. Um, let's switch into uh, the fundraising side. So how are we going to fund this 10 year vision to be the Trader Joe's? Or I liked when you said the Costco, because everyone knows the Kirkland brand, right? That's actually superior. I feel like some of the other products out there. And I can yeah. see that the Sun and Swell products, right? Would be the superior to what else is out there. So prior to this current raise, um, you've done a couple of rounds. um, But with the current raise on WeFunder, we have an $18 million pre money valuation. And so I love to call the new majority investor circle audience angel curious, right? We are angel investors, but we're also learning, we're developing our personal investment theses, uh, deepening our understanding of different business models, which is I love why I love to kind of focus on the fact that you are D2C as well as B2B, um, looking at different fundraising strategies. So can you share a little bit more about how you arrived at the current valuation of 18 million um, and what that might mean for investors uh, who are looking to contribute via WeFunder today? Yeah, so... In terms of how we got there, um, just starting from like multiples and numbers, we looked at three to five times like our forward looking revenue. So at the end of 12 months, which we project at, we should be at about 5 million as long as we can get the capital. And so as long as we can, you know, do our fundraise, we believe we can be at 5 million, which puts us in that um, 15 to $25 million range, just from like a multiple standpoint, we also believe our valuation reflects the years and years of proprietary knowledge that we have working with this type of packaging in our unique position and being the only brand that's actually putting it out in the market in this kind of way. So ultimately we know the demand's there. We just got to grab it and we're the first people who are doing it. So it's ours to grab. I love that. And thinking about, you said that for the primary purpose of this capital is for inventory, correct? Yeah. So we basically are at the point right now where primary thing is working capital to allow us to just go sell more B2B, like really let our sales team like hit the ground running, which we've kind of had to scale back on because working capital is so tight. Net 16, net 90. (laughs) Exactly. For those who aren't as familiar with the wholesale uh, payment cycle, net 60 or net 90 are the general payment terms for corporate orders. And what that means is you are paid 60 days after the service is completed or after the invoice is sent over. This can cause a cash flow crunch for smaller businesses. 
And so you're ordering stuff a month or two before you're shipping it. And then you're getting, I mean, the cash flow cycles are so long, which is one of the reasons why DTC is important to us. And we're actually putting more energy into that now be, just to like partially because the market's there, but also to make sure that the cash flow um, is balanced out from the receivables standpoint. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the main thing right now. It's like, we just have had to kind of like pull back on our sales efforts because our, the cash flow is so tight in that channel. And additionally, once we get to a certain size, we don't, we can use our um, business cash flow from operations to help us grow and also take out like larger line of credits. But because we haven't had a profitable tax year yet, that funding isn't as available to us. So we just, this is kind of like in our mind, this is the last raise that we need to do to be able to self-fund or fund through um, like lines of credit and debt vehicles for the rest of our growth, which is a really exciting place to be. That is. And why did you choose equity crowdfunding as the fundraising vehicle this time? And perhaps rather than normally we say, you know, versus other angel investors or VC. Um, but I'd like you to compare specifically to perhaps debt crowdfunding. Is, is that something that you mm. considered? We love the idea of other people owning a piece of the pie. Like, I mean, like, for, like we did this in 2021. First of all, it was just awesome. Like having, getting a community of people who love what you're doing and love your mission to invest in you. But also they're cheering us on and they want to see like, they're like, I want, I want to see Sun & Soul succeed, not just because I like them, but because like, I want to get a positive return. And, but it's funny because people always said to me, you got to figure out a way to make fundraising fun, like make it fundraising. And I was like, fundraising just doesn't feel that fun. But actually with equity crowdfunding, it's just like a giant marketing campaign and it is really fun. You know, we all know the numbers um, that, you know, not favorable towards female founders and um, equity crowdfunding numbers are a bit better, not, not perfect, but better. <laughs> so we have a lot of fun with it. I encourage all founders to do it, especially founders with mission driven businesses or businesses where like people will rally behind like what you're doing. I think it's a great option. I mean, obviously I'm a little bit biased, but I a hundred percent agree with you that equity crowdfunding is one of the perfect vehicles for fundraising. Yeah. If you are mission oriented, if you have a product, right. Um, and if, if you're new majority founded looking to make an impact through your business, I think equity crowdfunding is one of the best vehicles. So I want to talk a little bit about what you just mentioned, right, about the funding rates for female founders within kind of traditional VC landscape. And rather than dwelling on the fact that, you know, it's still like less than 3%. And if we look at women of color, it's even uh, it's like a fraction of a percentage. Yeah. I, I feel like that gets enough airtime. So I'd really like to focus on um, the fierce network of other female founders that have rallied around you um, and supported you. So I'd love to take this moment to shout out maybe one or two. It could be a female founder or it can be uh, someone within your, I would say, network and community that's really supported you. Maybe key advice that they've given, best advice you've received or best advice that you've given one of them. Yeah. So I, my, my founder, Bestie, I would say um, her name's Meha and she is the founder of Silk and Sonder. They have both a physical and a digital um, component of journaling and mental wellness. And they're awesome. Like she's, her company is amazing. We met as Tory Birch Fellows in 2019. And I remember she closed around before I had ever done anything other than like a small, like a small round with friends and families. And she was like, always kind of just guiding me to like believe in myself. She's like, it's funny. Like she was very, it was very obvious to her that I had mental blocks around raising capital for my business. And I call it like, um, uh, there's a, a term that I don't know if anybody listening 
ever listens to Lacey Phillips, she does, she's all about like manifesting and stuff. There's a term called an expander, but basically an expander is when if you see something that you want, somebody's a little bit ahead of you in their journey and they expand your mind to think like, oh, I can do that. But in general, every, we talk 30 to 60 minutes a day, just about all the things. It's nice to have somebody like in your same exact same headspace basically to chat with. Um, but she's awesome. Her company is awesome too. That's amazing. And I think I, I've never heard the term expander, but I can mm. absolutely see it having that person who's maybe one or two steps ahead that mm-hmm. allows you to see, okay, yeah. I can see it. I see you doing it. And I, I see that's possible. Yep. We're going to pause our episode for a quick non-sponsored ad. This podcast is not sponsored by Silk and Sonder. If you're also looking for a female founder bestie, sadly, Meha's taken. But when she's not lifting up Kate and Son as well, Meha's building Silk and Sonder, a self-care monthly planner and journal subscription service. They make planning, reflecting, and achieving easy and fun by bringing a new pen to paper. Their holistic method combines cognitive, behavioral, and narrative therapy, positive psychology, and bullet journaling to help reduce anxiety and stress. If you don't already know, we are big fans of taking one-on-ones with yourself at the new majority. Silk and Sonder makes these one-on-ones a little more fun and effective. And now back to Mayhouse founder bestie, Kate. I also want to talk about not just kind of your tribe outside of the company, but the tribe within. Uh, you mentioned previously that your co-founder is your husband, which I do believe you are the first featured founder that we've had mm-hmm. within the new majority, who is a husband and wife a team. Um, but in addition to Brian, right, you've built a, a really complimentary and, and talented team around you. So would love to hear a little bit about your experience in attracting such a strong team and what you've learned in the past seven years building that team and how you think that's setting you up to to become that Trader Joe's or that Costco of healthy foods and compostable packaging. Yeah, I mean, I, it definitely helps that we're a mission-driven company. It's like, I, it seems like so many people right now want to work for something that they can feel proud of and that they like really believe in. Um, we are B Corp, which kind of like gives that official seal of approval of like, hey, we're, you can believe in us. Most of our team has been built through our own network or like, I mean, either directly, like some of the, um, our director of operations is somebody I used to work with in consulting. We we didn't technically work together. We worked like next to each other, but um, we did kind of the same thing and work with a lot of same people. Or it's people that we met through somebody else. Like a lot of our advisors are people that we met through good friends. The advice I always give people like starting out their career is like your reputation is going to follow you wherever you go. (laughs) And so like, I think we've had the benefit of attracting a lot of people to our team because they've come, it's people who know us or who've come through people who know us. They know how hard we work. They know the passion that we have. And they also know like we're, um, I don't know, in general, I think we're kind people. And that is a lot of times people don't have that. It's, you know, there's a lot of talk about like toxic workplace environments. Generally, I feel like just putting out kindness and stuff, all that over the years is like, we're getting the dividends of that right now. I love that. And here at the new majority, right, we believe that investing is not just about financial capital. Um, just as you were saying before, I think putting out goodness into the world and, and having it come back. Um, so what are other forms of capital and value that we as your new majority investors might be able to bring to the table beyond the dollar? So I already asked you about the CPG brands coming at you for yeah. uh, help within the compostable packaging. But uh, do you have any other asks 
to the new majority investor circle beyond financial capital? The biggest thing for us is just spreading the word. If you work for a corporation that's looking to buy snacks for their, or that carry snacks in their office, or if you either yourself or you know somebody that's like eco-friendly lifestyle that might be interested these days, um, it's all, you know, awareness is, is key and we're still, although we know ourselves very well, we know a lot of people still don't know about us. So word of mouth is always, always huge for us. Just spreading the word about who we are, um, always goes a long way. Amazing. Well, keep an eye out for Kate and Sun and Swell on WeFunder as they close out their campaign for in the next two weeks. And maybe keep an eye out within your next uh, coffee shop or uh, grocery store as we see uh, Sun and Swell kind of take over the nation. So thank you, Kate, for joining us today. Thank you so much. If you loved what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast and share with another angel curious friend. A big thank you to our Investor Circle members who support our podcast. If you're not already a member, check out the show notes or go to the newmajorityinvest.com to join today.